Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas, like, glad to be here with you, of course, like always. And we've got Rick Van Dyke, who's joining us by phone this morning. Rick, you're coming to us from where today? Uh, Mooseman, Saskatchewan. So, yesterday, yesterday I was in Winnipeg watching my grandson play uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors uh, in WHL playoffs. So, and, uh, so now I drove home partway last night with my son-in-law, who was ready here. And uh, but I flew flew there flew in a little Cessna airplane over top of Saskatchewan, Manitoba, yesterday. That was quite an experience. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, yeah. and the thing is, that those planes fly a little bit lower than like a commercial airliner, so you get a better view of everything. Oh yeah, I got a better view of everything. And uh, for a while, we were flying above some clouds, and then had to fly below the clouds and and uh, see a lot of the landscape, which I haven't seen from that from that altitude before ever before. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, but boy, the you know, in Saskatchewan, you see a lot of the the uh, some of the the sloughs or, or you know like low areas in the fields were had water sitting in them, and some of the ponds were still frozen over and snow still in the trees. But once you got to Manitoba, there was still there was snow on, actually on the ground in a lot of places, and oh, and as you got closer to Winnipeg. Was there a lot of water? Really, <laughs> there was there was water everywhere, and it was just quite something. And the canal, their their extra overflow canals were all full, and and the and the land was just some some pieces of the land were just covered right over with water. It was quite something. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, Manitoba does have a history of being a little bit wet at times yeah. in the spring, right? There have been some yeah. pretty historic floods in Manitoba before, yeah. uh, so and, that's not necessarily totally surprising. And, and around Winnipeg, it's pretty low; like everything's pretty flat. So it's uh, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was a fun experience and landed in a small town. First of all, we had to drop somebody off in a small town in, in Manitoba, and uh, uh, that was interesting. Landing in a little little town airport, and so that was <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It was just an interesting thing to do. Cool, very neat, very neat. Well, welcome to Garden Talk, and this is our first two-hour show of 2023. That's right, we're going a full two hours today. So if you've got questions, this is the perfect time to get in on the conversation. One eight seven seven three. 332-8255 is the number you can call, as well as the number you can text. We've already got, uh, looks like, text rolling in and calls coming in. You know, speaking of weather, uh, we'll uh, we'll get to a call in a moment here. But just, just to, to mention this, very interesting because we've had a very nice week, past couple of weeks, and now it looks like we've got some, some I hate to say it, but snow on the horizon here, which is crazy. Um, in Saskatoon, we're talking about zero on Monday night and snow be- rain beginning then. Rain and snow Tuesday, five degrees. It continues Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night, and into Thursday. So that's like a pretty big system, and it's sort of repeating itself uh, sort of around the province. So uh, I don't know what we're going to expect here, but this could be a little interesting. Well, when I, when I left Saskatoon yesterday, it was I had just a long sleeve light shirt on. Yep. And um, when we landed in that small town in Manitoba, I was digging out my sweaters and everything oh, really? because it was cold. And uh, so and so it was a lot more cold here in 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 uh, Winnipeg uh, area. And uh, but yeah, that's going to be for the next week. Uh, we got a lot of cloud cover and that, so we're not going to get a lot of drying. I just I was thinking about all that water I saw in Manitoba and looking at the weather forecast around here. And yeah, they're going to be a little while before they get on the field around around this area as well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, we're going to kick kick it off with uh, a great call here coming in from Larry, who is in Ozler. We're going to go to Ozler right now. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Hi there. What's your question for us? It's regarding strawberries. Is five twenty twenty a good fertilizer for ever bearing? 
520-20, yes, but also one thing about it is you want it, it will work. But I would supplement also, you know, if you're going to be fertilizing at different times during the season, also go to a uh, a fruit and berry fertilizer, which is no more of an organic, because the the 520-20 will only give you your nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, whereas your fruit and berry uh, fertilizer will give you all your calcium and magnesium and boron and everything else. And that's what you need to have really good tasting uh, strawberries. Or either that, or work some compost in, or even some bone meal in around the around those strawberries. Uh, that would be a, a good thing to make as a supplement to that fertilizer you were talking about. Should you put fertilizer near the strawberries? Uh, not right on top of them, because especially with that, uh, you said that you had you're putting a 20 phosphorus on, correct? Uh, but right. potassium. You're putting a 20 potassium, so you just want to put them around it, but not dump right on top of the leaves and that kind of stuff, okay? And with the everbearing, how often do you fertilize? Uh, fertilizing, I would do it once per month. Great. Thank you for your help. All right. Thanks, Larry. Take, yeah. take care. one 332 8255 Let's run over to the text line now where we've got a, a couple of minutes here before our first break. Uh, this is our first text in today, and it's from Mark, who's in Bigger. We have a three-foot-tall spruce tree that the deer rubbed or ate the growth off the top foot and a half. We've retained lost leaders before, but those were usually just broken off. Should we cut this one or leave it and see if it grows from what's there? Yeah, the only time you cut some off is that if there's if the bark is stripped completely, uh, just trim it down to the next bud that, or branch that comes out uh, on an angle, so that it doesn't you don't get some dieback of that of that chip that that's that's been stripped of the bark. It'll die back, and it might even die back farther than then the next the next branch which is good so you want to trim that dead branch off because that just that's just going to be a place where insects are going to hang around or disease can hang around so just trim it off on an angle about about a quarter inch higher than the than the the last branch or node that is still good and uh and the tree will be just fine it'll put out a new bud and create a new leader it's just like a lot of people do and they're even their other apple trees and fruit trees is where they they top them and then they grow new leaders called water sprouts out the top mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so that's not a problem at all okay one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. i think we've got time for one more call before we go to our break here and in saskatoon dave is on the phone joining us good morning dave uh, good morning What's your question for us? Um, I'm just wondering if it's uh, safe to take the uh, burlap off uh, some west-facing uh, cedars. They're fairly uh, small, just planted a couple of years ago. Yeah, just if you can, only if the frost is on the ground completely. Uh, right now, if there's still frost on the ground, they're the most vulnerable right now. That's when they get the most burning is because the roots are frozen. They can't take up new moisture up to the top, Okay. So uh, if you want to take a piece of rebar or a screwdriver, a long screwdriver, and poke it down, it should be, the frost should be free of the ground for at least 12 inches, okay, if you can, before, oh, okay. you, take that, before you take that burlap off. Okay, sounds good. All right, okay. thanks, Dave. Take care. Good. Thanks very much. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is the number to call, and that's that's a really important thing, right, Rick? Is that you know, <laughs> yeah, this is the worst time of year to to risk it if that uh, the roots, roots are still frozen in, right? Oh, absolutely. And but you know what? I'm finding though in a lot of the shrub beds, uh, because the snow came so early last year, yep, in the fall that that uh, the shrub beds d- didn't get that much frost in them because as long as there's no traffic, you know, on that area. Um, and the snow came earlier. Uh, the frost actually didn't go very deep in the ground at all. I I tried to move some uh, snow 
off of a grassery that I needed to sew off, just with sort of skimmed it with the skin steer in one spot. We just went down a little bit too deep, and actually we dug into the dirt because the dirt wasn't frozen at all <laughs> underneath there. So, okay, so it's 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 you know it's a thing to consider, but we have a kind of a favorable season this year, I guess. That's that's yeah. good to know. Yeah, it's just because there'll be some places where yeah, the frost did get down because you maybe didn't get as much snow early, and it really the frost went down, and uh, or if you had some mulch in there. Uh, there might be a possibility that the frost is still there, so just make sure that you poke down. To, and with shrubs, you should at least have uh, 12 inches. And if you have a big, tall cedar that you that you covered, uh, maybe go about 16 to 18 inches down before you uh, take the cover off. All right, we're going to go to our break here. We've got text coming up from Greg talking about uh, the lawn. Uh, Bernice and gooseberries, spirea nine bark uh, from Lorna in Grand Grandora. We're talking about apple trees with Brad and Dundurn and Jeff in Lathbridge wants to know a bit more about lilacs. So we'll get to all all those texts in a moment. Stick with us. I'm Jay with J- uh, Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Thanks for joining us on Garden Talk, and this is our first two-hour show of 2023, which is pretty exciting stuff. I'm Jay, and Rick is on the phone with us today. Uh, J- I wanted to start with this. Rick is uh, where? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where's Jill? <laughs> Where's Jill? Uh, Jill is down in near near in Florida. I believe it's she's near Tampa Bay, somewhere around there, and uh, she is there on a, on a mission to find more tropical plants for the garden center. And so she's visiting a lot of our vendors, which we bring plants up from there for you know for a lot of people. We we bring a lot of uh, tropical plants for indoors, but also for the patios. And uh, so she's looking and seeing what's fresh and available. And then at the same time, she has a friend down there that, that moved down there in the last year. So she went down to go, go see her at the same time. And, and, uh, but yeah, no, she's just checking out all the, all the big nurseries. There's a lot of big nurseries. Like we see tropical plants. We see them in our homes, right? And put yep. them in pots in the patio. Well, there's, there's literally some fields full of tropical plants out in Florida. Wow. Because they supply there, they grow them and supply them for a lot of you, you, a lot of North America, right? For all the all the stores and garden centers and everything else all over the place. So there's some pretty big tropical plant growers out there. So she, she's having she's in her glory. No kidding, <laughs> she's on a vendor bender. I say, yeah, right? Yeah, she's in her glory, checking out all those plants there. So <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, hopefully, Jill will bring us a kind of a neat report next week, and when she's uh, back, and and we can talk about a bit of that experience too. Uh, let's let's go to the phone lines one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Waiting patiently through the break. Got to thank Dave, who is out in Kipling. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning, and good morning, Rick. How are you today? I'm very good. It's awesome today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just a question for you about snow mold. I'd asked you about this last year, and was it copper sulfate was kind of your go-to on that? Yeah, especially in the fall, it's before the snow comes, if you can do it, uh, that'll help prevent it more. Uh, if it's if it's there already right now, copper sulfate won't cure it. It prevents, okay? Oh, and I see. The like, best thing to, so you best want thing to spray to, your whole... Yeah. I'm sorry? Spray the whole lawn in the fall, like just be, as late as you can before the snow comes. Uh, okay, right, so, and then and then what you can do right now to take care of it is very simple. Just take a leaf rake and just fluff up your grass down. You know, go down and fluff it up. Go a couple different directions when you're raking it. You know, if you got allergies, put a mask on. Whatever you need to do, and then fluff it up, and that'll make it disappear. And if you still have areas, because what's happening is that as the temperature is getting warmer, like we had some warm temperatures at different around Saskatchewan, uh, and you still have some snow piles. 
that's when the snow mold is really starting to grow is, is you know, later, later on in the wintertime, closer to spring. And so okay. if you still have some snow, uh, take your shovel and just spread the snow over the, the grass that's, that's already uh, exposed, and that'll melt it really quickly and actually give good moisture to your, to your grass and plants. And then uh, as, as you get more exposure again, just take, keep taking that rake and just keep fluffing up that grass, and it'll dissipate right away. Uh, uh, so that, but if you leave it matted down, that's when it'll just keep growing. You just need to get the air into right down to the roots of the, of the grass. That's all. Well, the, the snow, like I'm thinking of the snow mold that I had last year, I just had some big dead spots where, yeah, where, you, where I had some heavy snow accumulation. Yep, that's what you would have had. And so just okay. go up there and, like I said, as soon as the snow starts disappearing, and you can do it in, in portions as it disappears. Mm-hmm. You keep going out there every day and just fluff it up as the snow recedes, right? And then also just make, like I said, just take off some of the snow off the top, spread it around, whether it be on your driveway or on, you know, on the rest of the grass or whatever. It'll it'll melt really quickly, this kind of weather, uh, uh, the rest of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing a lot of snow mold in my yard. Boy, oh boy, the the snow has disappeared the last couple of days. Lots and lots of mold. And it's not just my place. It's it's a lot of places this year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Just a quickie here. Uh, do you sell the copper sulfate? I looked for it last fall and could not find it anywhere. So can I get it at your spot in Regina? Yep. Yeah, we... Yeah, we sh- they should have it in stock right now for sure, and it comes in a in a little can. It is powder. You mix with water. Just go by the instructions. Excellent. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Bye now. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's take a quick uh, look at our text line here. We've got some new ones that have rolled in for sure. This is Greg in Regina. It says, "Good morning, Rick and Jay. We had new sod put down on our front lawn uh, that year, which is very packed down from this year's heavy snow. So last year." Yep. What should we do to get our lawn looking great again? I guess we kind of talked about some of this, but uh, if that if it's really packed down, just is it fluff it just up with the rake. Fluff it up with the rake right now. You don't. If you have a fan rake, like a leaf rake, that's the yep. best way to do it. If you take a, just a regular garden rake, then just lightly do it. Don't don't dig up the roots because it's going to be soft right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just lightly rake over it, just to just to you know fluff it up and get some air right down into the into the into the crowns of the of the uh, grass. And that's all you need to do, and it's too early to fertilize just yet. Right. Uh, you can be waiting till like the end of end of April to fertilize, and uh, uh, the fertilizer that I've been using and recommending for the past bunch bunch of years here now is uh, just came out in the market a few years ago back. It's called Groundskeeper. It's made just near Saskatoon, so it's made for our soils in Saskatchewan. It's not you know made by somebody out in Ontario or whatever that has different soil conditions and. Uh, and it works really well. And the number of reason why it does is because it has sulfur in it. It's the fourth number. Right. And then it also has a bit of iron in it as well, which is the fifth number in the fertilizer. And so for this time of the year, I especially like to use the groundskeeper with a little bit of the second number, which is phosphorus. And it has a 10 phosphorus, where most fertilizer you get has zero phosphorus. And so... Um, if you get that, to especially your new grass, uh, that'll help it to get established way better and faster, and you'll have a great-looking lawn, especially if you put it on uh, at the end of April and put it on about oh, the middle to the end of June, and then again in the beginning of September, uh, you'll have a great lawn, and it'll be strong and ready for the next year and be able to uh, withstand even a lot of the things like uh, with the sulfur in there, withstand a lot of things like, like the snow mold the next year. Right. So that'll, it's really good. Okay, we're going to go to our phone lines here. Uh, calls keep rolling in, which is great. one 332 8255 Right now going out to Choice Land to talk to Tom. Hi, Tom. 
Hey, how's she going there? Good. What's your question for us? We only got a couple minutes here, Tom, so we got to make it pretty quick. Okay. I uh, first thing I just because you said about uh, rototilling and uh, alfalfa colors, right? Yes. And then you said about, um, but don't put any. Um, uh, well, I don't have that anyway. But then you said where you're going to plant potatoes, right? Yeah, don't put too much. You can put a little bit where you plant potatoes, but not a lot, because uh, it is uh, um, the alfalfa pellets is a lower nitrogen, so it won't hurt the, the potatoes. So you can put it there. But what I suggest you do is you rototill your garden first, put your alfalfa pellets over top of it, and then just very quickly rototill it into the top, uh, just a couple inches of the soil, or even just rake it in. You don't need to rototill it in actually all the way really deep if you don't want to. You can just rake it in the top portion of the soil, and then as you water, it'll take that nutrients down just like a tea. And then the, about just wood chips, eh? Because you were saying how to soften up your soil. Boy, if you got really hard soil, put some mulch in there, not chips, okay? Put some mulch. It's it's a finer sticks. It's been chopped up more, you know. Whereas the 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 uh, the nuggets are too big. Okay, so put a mulch in there. I like using the cedar mulch because it, it lasts longer, and also it helps to lower the pH of the soil a little bit as well, which is a good thing. And then you'll have a way nicer uh, and rototill that in. Put about an inch layer over top of the whole lawn uh, of the garden, and then you'll have a. a, a way softer garden for the rest of the season. And the, on the last thing I, I said, you were talking about natural fertilizers last week. Yep. And I always, um, I used to use that Alaskan fish fertilizer. That works awesome. Yeah, use that. That's perfect. Because you can use that on everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. That works great. And that's been around forever. It's been a staple for a lot of gardens for a lot of, a long time. All right, Tom, thanks for your call today. we got to run because we got our news update coming up, okay? Thank you. Take care. Have a good day. one 332 8255 We've got uh, still a lot of text to get to. Lorna, uh, Brad and Dundurn. Who else? Rose in Saskatoon. Shauna Regina. Linda in Langham. Uh, so a lot of great text coming up. Stick around and give us uh, a call or a text at one 332 8255 This is our first two-hour show of 2023, so lots of time to join the conversation. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyke on the phone. This is Garden Talk. Good morning. I'm Jay Thomas. Rick Van Dyke is here with us on the phone, of course, and Jill is away. She is in Florida having a good time, checking out some really cool uh, tropical plants. So this is our first two-hour show of 2023, and we're glad you're here with us. Okay, Rick, we've got some calls to get to and a whole bunch of texts as well. Perfect. All right. We're going to start with our calls because those people have been waiting for us the longest here. First, out to Hendon to talk to Morris. Hi there, Morris. How are you? Good. Good. What do you spray Saskatoon bushes with in the spring? What do you sorry that say that one more time? Spray Saskatoon bushes? Yes. Yeah, you can do that uh anytime. I would suggest if you want to spray them, spray them just uh around the time when they just start to to bud out. Okay. okay? And then spray them again uh in about the the middle uh, well after they finish blooming with the next time. Okay? With what? Uh use use copper sulfate. Copper sulfate? Yep, that's correct. Not ambush. Well, you, you, ambush is only for insects. Now you're okay. going to. What are you? If you're spraying for for the fungals and all those kind of things, yeah. You want you want to spray with copper sulfate, not ambush. Ambush is just for insects. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thanks, Morris. Take care. Yep. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've got another call here to go through, and Terry is out in Regina. Hi, Terry. 
Hi. What's your question um, for us? We've had an issue, and it's the first time I've noticed it in several years, is uh, it looks like voles in our front yard, like I see cracks. And I'm just wondering how to deal with the, I guess, the aftermath of the voles and how to prevent them from coming back again next year. Yeah, okay. So voles was, is, a, is a big I've been getting a lot of phone calls. In fact, I had a situation myself where um, we piled a little bit of snow. Like I had a different person piling the snow for me this year, and he ended up piling it right in, along, along my row of espalier apple trees. And so the voles went underneath that snow pile and ate all my espalier apple trees, except for one of them. I think they're so good. So they that basically would have, they killed them all. Okay, but in the grass, it's not so bad. I have there's lots of voles that are in the grass as well, and they're getting lots of that calls. They make those tunnels all over the place. So all you do is just rake up those areas, uh, rake them level again, and the loose grass. And most times those tunnels, they're enough that the grass will fill in themselves. But if you want to fill them in a little quicker, just get a little bag of grass seed and just spread some grass seed number one Canada mix in amongst there. It'll look exactly the same as the grass you have. And then uh, do that around the 10th of May. And then you'll, your grass will fill in uh, really quick and you won't even notice it uh, by the middle of summer. Okay, excellent. And is there a way to prevent them from coming back? Yeah, next, next what happens, they're going to be hanging around in places like if you've got mulch in your yard or if you have uh, places like if you're, especially if you're near a, a field or, you know, uh, yeah. near a, a park or something like that, uh, or if you've got a shed that they, they could hide underneath the shed or, you know, a pile of firewood or anything like that, they'll hang around or even a compost pile. What you want to do in the fall, starting around the September long weekend, get yourself a shoe box or make yourself a, or some kind of a box that you can put over top of some uh, some snap traps. And get about four or five snap traps, okay, just regular mouse traps, the wooden mouse traps or plastic ones, whatever. Put a put a peanut butter on them and put a craisin on top or a raisin on top of the peanut butter and set the traps, put them underneath there. The reason why I put them underneath something is so that the birds don't get caught, like the little sparrows and everything else. Right. Because okay. they'll love it as well, right? So... Uh, Put that there, and the, the voles, um, for some reason, I've tried different types of poison. It doesn't really work on, on the voles. So I just, just use that snap trap, and uh, even the people that have got to do that, they pull me back, yeah, I caught 15 of them in my backyard. Huh. You know, so you, they work, it works really well, and that way you can get the numbers down, and that, that's the biggest thing to do is put those numbers down. And because we had that snow so early last fall, they just had a run of, of all your grass and areas and your shrub trees underneath that beautiful layer of snow. It was like uh, being in Mexico for them <laughs> because the ground didn't freeze and they were able to just get right, eat right down the grass, right down to the roots without going through frozen soil. So they had a smorgasbord underneath that snow all winter. So oh, yeah, just get, okay. get rid of them in the fall with the most traps. Okay. Um, one other question. I, I had heard somebody say to spray like a solution with capsaicin on your lawn in the fall what, what, is there what, anything to that what, or would that just what, kill your lawn what was the type you said what was it again you said? capsaicin it's like um from hot peppers oh yeah anything like that they don't like right and you could even spray even that there's a lot of things called skilled or scoot or or um there's another one called um uh, uh 
deer away. There's there's a whole bunch of those, and they're a mixture of those peppers and 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 hot peppers and and all that kind of stuff. It's a mixture of of, of garlic. It's a mixture of a whole bunch of things, and that deters those those uh, rodents for sure. And it wouldn't hurt the lawn. Nope. As long, okay. as, you do, as long as you dilute it up and then pour it around, that, that's that's just fine. It'll they won't like the the mice won't like that, and the voles won't like that either. Excellent. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Thanks, Terry. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've got lots of calls coming in, so we're going to go in the order they've uh, we've re- received them. Waiting the longest. Next, we're going to Humboldt right now to talk to Elsa. Hi, El- how Elsa? How are you? I'm great, thank you. And you? Pretty good. Pretty good. What's your question for us? I have about 20 towering poplars in my yard, and they're probably 35 foot tall. I want to know if I can cut them down to maybe only 12 foot tall. How are they going to start growing after that? Are they going to bunch out, or will they still stay the narrow column tree that they are? They'll stay the, they'll stay the narrow column tree, but here's one thing I suggest you do not do that for, Okay. If you cut them down, they'll do two things. One is that you could trigger them to start suckering, okay? And then they'll okay. set up shoot roots all over the place. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do is you may stress them. And if you stress them, you can attract the uh, the, the poplar bore to them, okay? And if you attract okay. the poplar bore to them, then you're going to be in trouble. So I would suggest is just if you want to top them, um, I would I would only take I wouldn't even I wouldn't help them all I would just uh, prune the side branches just a, on the tips a little bit. That'll cause lateral branches and get them to thicken out. Okay, and then also okay. a lot of people forget to do with those big trees is that they they figure while well, they're really tall right now I don't need to feed them, so fertilize them. Put a thirty can can on them or get a fertilizer and it's a liquid fertilizer you mix with water. Uh, each plant, uh, how tall you said they were? About 35 feet, 40 feet tall. Yeah. So you're going to be putting about five gallons, five, gallons, five gallons of water mixed with the 30-10-10 for each plant. That'll get them okay. to push out and thick it out. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. if you top them, the top them, there's too many risks involved. So I suggest don't topping them. And if they're just okay. too big for where you need them, like, uh, I guess it's take them out and start again with something that's not going to do what you want, do, yeah. does what you want yeah, to do. I mean, you, you can if, if you just don't want them that big at all, and, but it, just because you don't want them that tall, you can trim them down and uh, just make sure that you have to do it when they're dormant, okay? And so you have to do them right now or you do them again or in the fall, okay? And, uh, okay. But trim them on, on an angle. So that you you uh, down to whatever level you want to do, trim them on an angle so that uh, and uh, but uh, like there is risks involved with with those ones, especially the suckering, which is a pain if they start suckering a lot. Yeah, they've done that already constantly. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank Thanks, you. Elsa. Take care. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I know was you know we got breaks to get to. We got lots of texts that are coming up uh, still to get to as well, and a couple of calls waiting. So Corey, who's in Saskatoon, Ron, and Last Talk, just hang on, guys. We're going to get to your calls as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. 
Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay. Rick Van Dybenhuyck is on the phone. Thanks if you've been waiting patiently for an answer for a text from the show. But we've got lots of calls, and the, t- the calls always get to go first. So we will still get to our text line as soon as we've got some time. we got three calls lined up right now, though. And it is, yes, two hours of Garden Talk, so there's still lots of time to get everything uh, in here. We're going to go to our first call. Uh, everybody else who's waiting on the line, just hang on. You guys are all coming on in order that you are, uh, your call arrived. So first out to Moose Jaw to talk to Rhoda. Hi there, Rhoda. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good. What's your question for us? Spring is here. Isn't that nice, Uh, hey? I have an amaryllis. Now, uh, somebody told me to bring it out in uh, the middle to the end of November, which is what I did. About the middle of December, it looked like it was dying. Somebody else told me to put it back, give it a drink, and put it back in the closet, so I did. I brought it out in, say, February. And then I had, oh, the most beautiful plant, great, big, beautiful flowers. And now the flowers, as of last week, have finished. And now I have three brand-new leaves aside from the stock where the flowers were. What do yep. I do? Put in, keep it in a nice, bright location. Lots of, lots of even uh, just like it does not be direct sunlight, but even if you get like a morning sunlight on it, it'd be great. But if it's in, if you got a window where it gets, you know, like on the south side, just keep it away from the window so it gets bright light, but not doesn't have the really direct sunlight. And okay. uh, just uh, keep watering it. Even give it a little bit of a uh, of a mild solution, not a full strength, but a mild solution of fertilizer if you wish. Okay. okay. That'll put energy in for next year, okay? Okay. Keep, so what happens the to the, the, the leaves, the leaves and the perfect. stock? Do, I, do they just die off? or what yeah, they'll, do I they'll grow, those, those leaves will grow there for most of the summer, okay? So that's perfect. That's what you want because those leaves are putting energy back in that bulb, okay? Do you still have the stock where the flowers are on yet, or did you cut that yeah. off already? No, it's still there. I left it. I, don't, I didn't know what to do with it. Leave it there until it turns brown and kind of withers, Okay. Then you can okay. trim it off. Then you can trim it off. Right now, if they're nice and green still, mm-hmm. if you just leave them up there, that energy from that green stem will go back down in the bulb. So just let that dry, and once it turns kind of a brown color, just trim mm-hmm. it off down next to the bulb, okay, just above okay. the bulb. Okay. Do the leaves then, stay green, like, yep. all, how long? They'll treat it like a house plant. They'll, they'll, sometimes they'll stay green all summer, okay? Really? Yeah. I thought you had to put it away. Nope, you don't need to put it away right now. Let it let it put the energy back in for the summer. In fact, if you want to, you can even put it out in the yard in the pot and just water it every once in a while. You don't, don't have to water it that often. Put okay. it in a spot where it's a little bit shady, okay, not full sun, not the hot, hot sun, okay, of the day on your, if you're going to put it on your patio or whatever. You okay. may want to put it underneath a tree or whatever and just water it every once in a while there. And uh, just treat it like that. Then in the fall, bring it inside. Stick it in a cool location, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like bringing it in if I put it outside until we start getting frosts, okay? Because the nighttime okay. cool temperatures will will set it up for blooming the next year. So when we start oh, okay. getting temperatures around, you know, two or three degrees, mm-hmm. that's good. But we don't want it to freeze. We don't want the bulb to go down yeah. to minus two or something like that, okay? You you want to bring it in, even if you have to bring it in during the nighttime and put it back out during the day. You know, okay. in the in, in the part, first part of September, that coolness outside will help get the bulb ready to bloom. Then you bring it indoors, okay? Mm-hmm. Put it in a put it in a in a dark place for a bit, and then what you want to do is that about the middle to the end of October, uh, bring it out 
transplant the, the, the bulb, take it out of the pot, transplant it either back in that same pot again or into a different pot, okay, with some new soil. And then okay. you'll get the blooming, and this time you'll get the, the blooms by Christmas time, okay? Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks, Rona. Take care. Summer. Okay. You're yeah. Bye-bye. Okay. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to go to Less Talk right now to one of our regulars and talk to Ron. Hi, Ron. Hi. I had the, uh, the neighbor had a bunch of elk coming to their bale stock. No, they left their little piles of turds all over the place. <laughs> yep. Would you recommend using that, like, as... Um, fertilizer and a mulch around tomato plants, pepper plants, whatever, you know, or is yep. it too hot? It's too hot. You'd have to compost it for at least a year okay. and, and turn it. So you don't want to put any of that stuff new on, okay? Right. Uh, otherwise, it'll be too hot. Yeah, you want to just compost it. Um, so, you'll find that you'll find in your lawn that a lot of people, even the urine or some of that that big piles of the elk poop will actually kill little brown spots in the grass, right? Oh. Uh, just because it's too hot. So, yeah, put it in a compost. Uh, just like you would a, a cow manure pile, right? And so, and just compost it and turn it every once in a while during the summertime, and then next year you could use it then. Well, I have cattle too, so yep. I'll just push up some of my own and not bother gathering little balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, the only thing you may want to give those, if they're on the lawn, you may want to gather them up just so that you don't have that that hot spots in your lawn. Okay, that's a big one. But you yeah. probably they probably will get hot spots from your grass from just a year. That's probably the worst problem with with them. Is that I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the same thing. I had like 50 deer in my yard this last winter, and I'll have spots in my grass all over the place. Yeah, hair all my part if nothing else. Eh? Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Okay, thanks very much, Ron. Yep. Yep. Bye. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's see. We're going to get this call on nice and quick so we can get him on before the break, but we only have one minute to go. So Corey is in Saskatoon. Hi, Corey. What's your question for us? Hi, guys. I have uh, five-foot-tall emerald cedars that are with burlap as a sunshade. My ground's still a little frozen. Is it time to take that burlap off now or just hold on? Hold off until you can stick a piece of rebar in the ground at least 12 inches. Okay. And you, All right. And you take it I off. Not, that. not until then. Okay. Now, now they're most susceptible right now. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Corey. Take care. All right, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We uh, just would have to go to our break here in just uh, just one minute here. So, uh, yeah, it, it, with that frozen ground, those cedars have to stay covered until we got some roots that can bring up some water, right? Exactly. That's the, they're they're definitely the most vulnerable right now when the roots are frozen and the sun's so warm. Exactly. Let's get one more text in here. Uh, Bernice in Kindersley or around Kindersley. Years ago, my dad used to use used to spray his gooseberries with seven. Uh, or he never got berries. I realize it has long been not available. We have some sitting in the basement, but it's obviously very old. I know you talk about uh, Bordeaux for Saskatoons. We have Saskatoon black currants, gooseberries. Will Bordeaux work for all of the above? We also yeah. have raspberries. So yeah, yeah, yes, it will. Uh, it'll work for all of the above. And um, uh, the only reason I'm because seven and 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 Bordeaux are two different things, okay? Bordeaux is a fungicide, okay? You're yep. stopping fungals like powdery mildew or some other fungals that might get on, this, on the Saskatoons. You know, you get that fungal that grows on the Saskatoons. It'll stop those kind of things, okay? Gooseberries, the main reason he used seven for is he was stopping, trying to stop the worm from going into the berries. Okay. Okay. We got to stop right there, Rick, unfortunately. We're going to pick this up when we get back from our break, okay? But we got a news update for everybody right now, and then we'll get back to Bernice's text as soon as we start our second hour. Yes, hour number two coming up. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on CKOM and 980 CJME.